My name's Olivia. I'm Raven. We are not the default Americans. When we go back in the past for black history, well, now we got a problem. But for white people? How far you want to go? If you want to piss off any everyday average non-black American, just add black. Including black people is not excluding white people. Every damn time we get rights or acknowledgement, it sparks a violent rage. Especially in white people. I am not less deserving just because I'm a black blind woman. Disability makes a lot of people uncomfortable. It affects the psyche of people with disabilities. Like, did we not contribute? Another way to fight against oppression is to celebrate our successes and our progress. We're not completely our oppression. You can sit there and talk about how you think everybody is equal, but do equality, do equity. As long as they're getting what they need, they don't want things to change. Today we are talking about transabled identity, becoming disabled by choice. I don't know the first time I heard of, it's called transabilism, but I think you and I both agreed we don't like that label necessarily. <laughs> it's cringy to me. Yeah, I think we get stuck on like ableism is a word mm -hmm. that isn't related to this term. And so it's yeah. kind of off-putting, very off-putting. Off -putting. I've heard of this for sure over a decade ago. Essentially, there are people out there who think they ought to have a disability. I don't know if it's the case that maybe they feel like they should have been born that way or I'm not sure. You know, it's interesting because before we researched it, I think we both have very strong feelings about it. For sure, I did. I had very yep. strong negative feelings about transabled identity. But then mm. when I read about it to learn, okay, what is this actually? Mm -hmm. It changed my view. I'm glad of that because there's people we're going to talk about <sighs> someone but there's people who just hear transabled and they're like, oh, God, here we go. And immediately have that knee jerk negative response, which is easy to have because we don't like change. When we hear something, a lot of people jump to how ridiculous it is and things of that nature rather than trying to understand people. This is a big fucking problem yeah. in this country and the broader society. So we are coming to this topic with enough of an education to not think this is a ridiculous trans identity. I had never heard of it until you told me about it. And my original reaction was very visceral, like, what? what the heck? It's really because a lot of people, you know, you feel like you know, and so you just go off your interpretation of something and people don't take that second step to do a little research and dig in. And they just go with what they think they know. Mm -hmm. And that's dangerous because had I had I just done that, I would have been an ignorant piece of shit. It's a nuanced situation. I know personally for me, I was like, okay, you know, if it's a type of a trans identity, you can't pick and choose which identities are valid just because they sit better with you, you know? So I had to grapple with that. And something that you said really kind of clicked but first, let's talk about what the hell transabled identity is. What is that? The definition that I found was the desire to acquire a disability through choice rather than happenstance or circumstance. That leaves it 
very open. That is right? a very broad definition <laughs> that you found. Oh my god. <laughs> There have been a few studies done that suggest it could be something to do with brain. It's a term that I want. I think maybe you're talking about neurological mapping. There we go. There's a part of your brain that's responsible for awareness of uh-huh. different parts of your body or the lack thereof, whatever, whatever you might yes. be lacking. It dictates how you identify your body outside of everything else around you like we know where our hands end we know where our feet end we, i think it's you know, actually like in the context of your body itself though right it's just yeah. a, it's just a matter of knowing where your hands are right or where your leg ends right because all legs don't end in feet <laughs> um, all legs do not talk end about in feet. people with amputations or there's people with extra body parts and things of that oh, nature. there are people have like six fingers so it is basically where the part of your brain that gives you a mental map of your body yes there have been some studies done that say maybe that part of the brain is damaged and then there is this other disorder called body integrity identity disorder or b-i-i-d and that is the desire to remove healthy limbs or the desire to be paralyzed. That's a thing that I honestly have never heard of. And they said that there are some people who really do suffer from that. And body integrity identity disorder, in this case specifically is referring to limbs, but it also could be people who want to be blind or wish to be deaf or something like that, because in their brains, they are those things. They are deaf people. They are blind people. They are paralyzed people. And their outside doesn't match their inside. That's the part of this that really makes my brain itch because I'm just like, I don't understand any trans identity. I mean, I don't understand what it's like to be trans. Like, obviously, I accept that this is a real condition. And I don't have an issue with people identifying that way. Right. I'm just not able to conceptualize it. Neither can I. I can't. Mm-hmm. And so it's weird for me to live life as a blind person and go through that every day. It'd be weird if somebody who could see said to me, I am a blind person also, or I am that paralyzed would piss me off. if they have freely moving <laughs> limbs and they have full range control and mobility in their limbs. Mm-hmm. It's just like... Okay, but you don't know what it's actually like. To me, the difference with transgender identity is that we are taught from a very early age, no, this is for boys, this is for girls, this is for girls, right? And that's socializing. You get told what's for boys, what's for girls, and you find yourself, maybe you're born male, but then you're like, I like all the stuff that's for girls. I want to do all the stuff that's for girls. I feel more comfortable doing the activities for girls. I feel more comfortable, you wearing know, wearing girly things, all of those yeah. things. And so I understand how someone who has been socialized a certain way can be like, okay, well, I don't like all the boy stuff. I don't want to do all the boy stuff. I don't feel like a boy. Because I don't like those things. And like, Uh this is a very fucking simplified way that I'm talking about transgender Transgender, identity. I understand it is way more complex than that. But my point is that there is a whole learning process we go through 
where you were identifying what's for boys, what's for girls, etc. Whereas when you're raised as an able-bodied person, it's not like you really encounter experiences of being disabled, at least not to the extent that is being talked about right. in these instances where like, you don't know what it's actually like to be paralyzed. You right. don't know what it's actually like to be blind. Exactly. Even if you close your eyes as a sighted person, <sighs> it's still not the same as being blind and like any level of blind, right? Because there's right. varying You and I have levels different of levels of blindness, but we still both blind as fuck. Yes. Also too, unlike gender, Disability is not really brought out in the open in society. Ooh. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people who go a long time in their lives without seeing or meeting or having a, a real connection to a person with a disability. And it's always held up as something that you don't want to be. Able-bodied and sighted society does not paint disability in a positive light at all. So to have somebody who is part of the able-bodied, sighted, hearing society, though, oh yeah, no, I'm really part of the disabled community. It really is a mindfuck for I'm me. Sorry, I'm sorry, that's like- a struggle. It's a struggle for me. <laughs> I acknowledge that they feel that way and I, I know that they can't help their neurology. I right, right. understand that. Exactly. When you and I were talking about this and reading about it, there was an article we encountered okay. that was talking about BIID as if yeah. it's a disability itself. Yeah. And listen, man. Well, we did say, you and I came to the conclusion, and we're not neurologists yeah, we're or not psychologists on or, any level yeah, at all. No. But we agreed that BIID and transabled identity itself sounded more in line with like neurodivergence. Yeah, a type, a type of neurodivergence. Of That's a better way to think about it. I don't know how disabling it actually is. If somebody actually goes through with modifying their body or having a surgical procedure to become disabled, well, then now they're disabled. Now you're just disabled. Like I said, that pissed me off. Like, you're not a transabled person anymore. You are a disabled person at this point. When you're transabled, yeah, but... Oh, here we go. (laughs) You are transabled prior to becoming disabled. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if you view yourself as having a disability and also you're transabled even after you obtain the disability because it was a choice. If we're talking about it as becoming disabled by choice. Yes, you are a disabled person who became a disabled person by choice. So I do see why you would say they are a transabled disabled person. However, I think you're squarely in the camp of disabled now. They are in the camp of disabled, but they're still transabled as well. I don't disagree, but I don't totally agree. Okay, well then let's drop the disability thing for a moment. Okay. Let's talk about somebody who is a trans man. They are still a man, but they are also still trans, even if they go through a medical transition. Okay? Okay. That person is still a man, but they are also still trans. I look at it the same way with transabled people, where you go through your transition into becoming disabled, and you are disabled. Still mm-hmm. trans, though, also. I can't 100% get with it. And I think it's because it's the disabled thing. But at your yeah, point, you're with not the able trans- to distance yourself from I, it enough. I can't. I'm trying. Because that's easy to do with the transgender example you just gave. I'm like, okay, I see your point. It's very similar. But in my head, I'm just like, but, but you, you could do it with trans women, right? You're a woman. 
And yeah. you agree that if somebody medically transitions, they're a woman. They're a woman, but still transgender. I don't know, man. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are still transgender. They're not cisgendered. They're not cisgendered. Okay, so they're transgendered. Fine. Still a woman. My brain is having difficulties. (laughs) I feel like this is what it is. The definition that you found for transable identity says the desire to become disabled. That might be what's tripping me up. And well, after you've gotten the disability, the desire, but here's the thing that we talked about. There's transabled people who want more than one disability. So you can become disabled and still not be disabled to the extent that you think you you are are. according to your neurological map of your body. Even if you get the disability that your neurology is telling you you've had all along or should have had, even if you get it, still think you're trans. I see your point. I think I'm finally there. Well, I do have a fun, I don't know if it's fun, an interesting fact. One of the first known cases of this was in the mid-1800s. It was between an Englishman and a Frenchman. The English guy, he held the French guy up at gunpoint because the French guy was a surgeon, by the way. And he held him at gunpoint and made him amputate his leg. Afterward, he sent him some money and a thank you note, basically. It was like, appreciate it, man, because now I'm finally the person I always felt like, essentially. So that was interesting. This is a mind fuck. <laughs> But not that he held him at gunpoint and made him do it, though. That's what people don't understand. It's that that deep. The effect of this condition is that deep, though, that you are desperate to obtain the body that your neurology is telling you you've got. But then, you know, when you look in the mirror or live your everyday life, that's not the body you have. Mm -hmm. Originally, there were people who thought that this was like some interesting sexual attraction like there are those oh yeah because there are people who have fetishes for (laughs) amputees and certain other disabilities yeah people are fucked seven ways from sunday like okay so they so they thought it was a sexual attraction there was a study done in 2011 that said it could be due to trauma body integrity identity disorder or transabled identity could be due to damage to that superior right parietal lobe and then also saw something that said it could also be due to trauma to the cerebellum the superior right parietal lobe is the part of our brains that is responsible for giving us a mental map of our bodies it wasn't like intense damage they noticed that there was less activity in that specific area of people who were transabled as opposed to people who were not and it was a really small sample size though so i think it was like four people and so they were like can't really do too much with that and apply it across the board to all transabled folks because not enough data yeah i don't know how large of a study they're going to be able to do because i'm imagining this is a vanishingly small percentage of people i would imagine so yeah and it doesn't mean that they don't need studying And that Mm -hmm. people shouldn't try to figure out what's happening. I'm just saying any study on them is going to be such a small number of people. Mm -hmm. And then you have to take into account that there are people who are embarrassed 
about coming yeah, out. Yeah, they so to feel speak. like imposters. Yeah, right. There's that imposter syndrome, the ridicule and stuff that they would get from the disabled and non-disabled community. Clearly, look at us. <laughs> I don't know if they were ridiculing, but we are expressing our confusion. I actually found some studies that were written. There was a few, like one was in 2012, one was in 2019, about BIID having an onset in early childhood, which I found interesting because that was the first time I had heard of like when people started exhibiting transabled identity. And in my head, originally, I thought it was like, you know, some adults who were like, yeah, no, I want to be disabled. And they were like, no, 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 it could start as early as in childhood. And there have been people who feel that you shouldn't give in to transabled folks wanting to get things amputated. Yeah, like you shouldn't enable them. Yeah, they, they mm. do see it as enabling. But there have been a few studies done that showed that after these people have received, you know, we'll just stick with amputations for now, because that's really what I found the most information on their mental health improved because again, now they have the body that matches the one that they always had within their minds. It sounds dangerously close to like saying they're making it up. And I don't want to imply that. Right. They cannot help their neurology. Maybe we just don't have the word on hand here because I do think it is stronger than a desire to have a disability. Like they really do view themselves as disabled. Right. It is in their mind. That doesn't mean that it's made up. Right. Saying it's in your mind doesn't mean saying it's in your imagination. Yeah, I like that. Mm. I was really making me feel kind of icky. Like, I, uh. I know. We really do have compassion for folks with this condition. Yeah. I mean, we can't relate. Yeah, can't relate at all. I can't relate, but I have compassion that they cannot help their neurology. Right. I recognize that. They don't turn it on and off. Like today I want to be blind and tomorrow I want to hop in my car and drive. Like it's not like that. I do want to talk about the objections to treating this condition with body modification or surgery. Mm -hmm. We found this article by this very elitist disabled person. This chick. Asserting her view that transabled identity is a mental illness. And there's a lot of contradictions in this lady's article. But (laughs) I I thought it was a good representation of a very uninformed opposing view. Because there are people who have informed opposing views. They're medical professionals. We didn't get that. We found this article by a disabled person who does not identify as disabled. I said, come on, Raven. (laughs) She only has one arm and one leg, but she is not disabled. Oh, my God. That's other people. Yes. And she has struggled with mental illness also. And an eating disorder, I believe. Is that classified as a mental illness? Uh Uh-oh. I don't know. I didn't do the research. I don't know if body dysmorphia is considered a mental illness or a psychiatric condition at the very least. Didn't she say she had anorexia? She had anorexia. Yeah. I don't know. I understand. Like, she's always going to struggle with body dysmorphia because she said that in her article. She's always going to... She's always going to think she's fat. She just chooses not not to to believe believe it, it. Which is not how that works. No. If you think it, you believe it. In this case, those are synonyms. If you choose not to engage with that thought and choose to set it aside, that's different. Choose not to entertain it, those sorts of things. We think certain things about ourselves all the time. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that we actually act upon those thoughts. 
I wanted to address the overarching points of objection in her article because I think these are very common objections to transable identity and transgender identity as mm-hmm. well. There were three main points, and the first one is that viewing transabled identity as anything but a mental illness is wrong. And no. this is a neurological condition. It's not a mental illness. I don't I don't know if those two are mutually exclusive, but in this case, I don't think that this is a mental illness. Right. You know, with a lot of mental illnesses, there can be a regimen of medication that you take. There can be talk therapy and other Mm -hmm. types of therapy. None of those work with body integrity, identity disorder, or other forms of transabled identity. Mm -hmm. The only thing that has proven to work is making their physical body match their mental map of their body. Yeah, because that's another point she makes. Mm-hmm. is that transabled people need therapy, not enabling. And listen, I'm in favor of talk therapy with a mental health professional for mm-hmm. everybody, regardless of what yes. the fuck you have going on. Yes. But it cannot treat every condition of the mind. It, it doesn't cannot. even work to treat every mental illness, if this actually was a mental illness, which is not. And it's mm-hmm. definitely not going to treat, on its own anyway, a neurological condition. Right. Right. You need people who are familiar with neurobiology, neuropsychology and things of that nature to work with somebody like this. And that is not going to help them on its own Mm -hmm. unless maybe they design or develop some other form of therapy. I don't think they can overcome it personally, at least not according to what we found. And maybe there are some other therapies, not talk therapy with a mental health professional, but maybe some other therapies that can lessen the effect of this condition. I don't know if it's necessarily going to treat it. Exactly. More mechanical therapies is what I'm thinking about that might be able to lessen the effects of it. But I'm just just throwing shit out there, honestly. Yeah. But then too... You gotta worry about the prejudice within oh my the God. mental health community. And I mean, look at just us, we're part of the general public. Like we're just Jane anybody's. And again, there aren't a lot of studies and stuff done because of the sample size is so small of the people who are living with transabled identity. So there's not that much data. Yeah, that they don't really have anything to work with. So and talk to there's who not about- enough exploration of treatment options. If the only treatment options that have been explored are talk therapy and body modification or surgery, there's a whole world of options in between mm-hmm. that could be explored. And one, trying to get a hold of somebody who has transable identity or body integrity identity disorder is going to be difficult. And finding people who are interested in studying it I think will be difficult as well, but there's a lot of bias, I'm sure, in the medical professional and the general public, like you just said. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of exploration and studying that needs to be done because I think it's not like talk therapy or surgery necessarily. I mean, that might still be the case, even if different therapies are explored, it might still be the case that Mm -hmm. surgery is the only way to treat this. It does seem like surgery is the best way Mm -hmm. to treat this but of course now you get into access issues people need to be able to access people who are actually going to perform these procedures and 
yeah, most medical professionals think that this is a not an ethical condition to treat with surgery. They are not comfortable amputating healthy limbs. There mm-hmm. are people who get this done by body modification specialists, I guess you could call them for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. And different countries have different laws regarding medical practice. So right. there are people who decide to go to different countries and get help through body mod specialists in those areas when they can't get it done uh, wherever it is that they reside. Right. And to your point, there have been hospitals that have actually outlawed the practice of removing healthy limbs and things like that. The last main point objecting to treating transabled identity in this article was that transabled identity makes unfair demands on society. It is ignorant hussy. She really wrote that. She wrote that. My question then is why, dear writer, do you feel that transabled people make unfair demands? Is it because you feel that disabled people make unfair demands on society? Is that what the fuck you think? At the very least, it comes across that she thinks disabled people are a burden. Mind you that this is the same chick with one arm and one leg that she lost yes. in a car accident. Just really want to keep throwing that out there and hammering that home. I don't know if she thinks that disabled people are an unfair burden, but I do think she views disabled people as a burden. And with transabled folks, it's unfair because they are choosing to, to be become a burden. A burden. Whereas <laughs> disabled folks, we don't really ha- have a choice. It's fucked up either way. <laughs> it is fucked up either way. I'm kind of splitting hairs here, sorry. <laughs> no, I get it, but it's the fact that she wrote that shit though. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And meant it. She published it. Yeah, she published it. So here's the thing. I thought about this in several different ways. One, she does bring up how embracing these folks as disabled people and allowing them the benefits that come along with that is harmful. And I interpret that as transabled folks taking services away from disabled people. I mean, you have this same sort of sentiment expressed in the transgender community, where you have binary transgender folks who feel negatively about non-binary folks identifying as trans because they take up space in services provided to transgender people. Oh, I have another. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong if I'm not on the same wavelength as you. Take the whole trans women in sports thing, right? There's a lot of blowback. I guess I don't view it as the same because no nobody has a right to play sports. Whereas with these benefits that disabled people get, you know, we're talking about medical benefits, medical care, yeah, financial okay. support, things of that nature. No one has a right to play sports. No, but people feel like it's unfair that they have an unfair advantage Sure. The only advantage here might be that I guess you're putting folks who are disabled by chance further back on a waiting list or something. I guess. Possibly. But here's my thing, though. Services are limited. There's this ideology out there that disabled people get all this free stuff and we have all of our needs met and it's a grab bag. You get whatever you want because you have this disability. And that's just quite simply not the case. 
of course, depending on who you are, where you live, who's advocating for you, if you're advocating for yourself, if you have money, there's other factors that go into this that determine how well off a disabled person you're going to be. But there's not just this wealth of services out there. I don't think she's arguing that there is a wealth of services. I think the argument here is that, yes, the services are already spread thin and you are making it worse by becoming disabled by choice. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I see. Sure, I don't agree with it either. But (laughs) my point is that's what she's saying. Mm. I didn't take it like that when I read it, but I see how you can. Why else would she bring up the benefits thing? What the fuck does that have to do with anything if that's not the point she's making? Because I really think people think that when you're disabled, you get free money. She knows that's not the truth. She said it. But she also, she says a lot. And also, you do have access to money for being disabled that people do not have access to when they are not. It's not a bunch. Majority of the time, though, it's not. I I mean, I don't need you to explain this to me. No, I'm (laughs) I'm saying that not for you. I'm saying for the people listening. Majority of the time, it's not worth that. We've already done this episode. Some people get for the entire month what some people get in a check. Well, most people get in a check, even if you're working minimum wage. That's the way I took it. Like, she's like, oh, they just want free money. And I really think she is saying in the pool of benefits potentially available mm-hmm. to disabled people that they are taking away from that by becoming disabled by choice and having access or potential access to, to services those services. That should have gone to real disabled people, quote unquote. When you talk about physical therapy, right? Because this is not just about money, Olivia. This is about physical therapy. This is about Mm -hmm. medical care, about medical equipment, right? Sure. That's why I am railing against what you're saying, because this is not just about access to financial benefits. She said financial benefits as well. So that's where I mean, she brought up financial benefits, but she said financial and other benefits. She did. Okay, I'll play. Say that's the case. We're not talking about large swaths of people, though. Mm -mm. So it's not like millions upon millions of people are becoming disabled by choice and just sucking up all these limited benefits for the people who were disabled as opposed to happenstance or whatever. It's not a large number of people. And the real problem, not to do the whataboutism thing, but the real problem with that is the fact that a bunch of disabled people even have to get on these benefits. Why doesn't society do more to be more inclusive of disabled people in workplaces and job fairs and employment opportunities? And then we don't have this issue. Exactly, Jesus. And I mean, she brought up her fight with Social Security, I guess, to illustrate how difficult it was. What I gathered was she was saying, hey, like, it took me this long because I have a disability and there were other people with disabilities who were also needing the same things. I don't think she meant it that way. I really think I do. she was just showing that it is already a struggle for us as disabled people. And as a transabled person, you're going to make things harder. Mm. And again, I really don't think it's just financial. The Social Security, accessing Social Security is a microcosm of the many other things that we have to fight to access, right? I agree. When people get limbs amputated, the fight that they have to go through to get prosthetic limbs and parts of prosthetic limbs and, mm-hmm. you know, there's some parts that are more easily obtainable and than others and things of that nature. 
when people want the wheelchair that they need, right? Everybody doesn't want or need the same type of wheelchairs, right? Exactly. So that's why I think the social security thing is just one of many resources that we have to fight to access. And I really, that's why I really think it is about them making it harder for us you to access like benefit benefits in general or support. I guess that's another way to look at it as support. Don't think of it as benefits if you keep taking it to a financial level. It is just the many different types of support and assistance that we need as disabled people and the fight that we have to go through to get that. I hear you. At the end of the day, it's a very fucking ableist view because you are talking about disabled people and transabled folks both as if they are burdens on society and that's fucked up other people need help and support and stuff too but throw disability in there and now it's just extra fucking burdensome that's and some I, bullshit to her point <laughs> i will give her this majority of society does see people with especially yes. physical disabilities but even non-physical disabilities as a as burden, burden. Yes. so she's not entirely wrong and her saying that it's just the fact that you are also disabled and you don't realize you're in that same group of people that you you just threw yourself under the bus right along with this, regardless of whether or not you identify as disabled. And this type of thinking is used in reference to the transgender community For as sure. well, right? People For do sure. not want to accommodate if you're not the norm, mm -hmm. if you're not the standard. People will fight tooth and nail. They will justify discriminating against your ass. My goodness gracious. Right. So this argument reaches far beyond disabled folks and transabled identity. Now, obviously, that's what we're talking about in this episode. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that she's got a lot of anti-trans in general, anti-trans everyone <laughs> sentiments. She and and she also, I think she, she doesn't understand otherwise. her own thinking. This is the same person who said that she thinks she's fat, but she chooses not to believe it. So she has she's not done a deep dive into pulling through. apart her ethos or why mm -hmm. she thinks the way she thinks. <laughs> she, she hasn't done it because this is definitely some anti-trans sentiments as well. We, we don't want to accommodate. I mean, and this is at various levels of society. This is medical benefits. We don't want to change our language. My no. God, the opposition to using they, them pronouns in reference to an individual and like people do not like change. They don't want to be accommodating. They will look for every reason to not instead of asking themselves, is this actually harmful to them? It's worth throwing those lives away in order to not <laughs> change, in order to keep things the status quo, in order yeah. to adhere to what is quote unquote normal. I even think of in education when they started implementing IEPs and the various plans you can get for children who uh, have disabilities and other health conditions. Right. And there was such a strong argument against including children with special needs because they thought it would take away from gifted children. It would take away from normal children. It really is a scarcity mindset. And yeah, listen, in the disability community, I'm not going to say that the scarcity mindset is not justified, okay? But the real problem is greater society not giving us the opportunities and chances for financial success, for employment, for education that they give to non-disabled people. That is what the real problem is. I agree. We should not have to fight tooth and nail to fight tooth and nail. 
That's true. We all <laughs> fighting over the same two pieces of pizza and the world has the ability to make all this pizza for everybody else. And they're like, nah, y'all just get these scraps and whatever's left is what's left. And you want to fight for your scraps instead of shouting to the greater society be like, hey, stop we, just giving right. us scraps. What the fuck? Exactly. Going after the low hanging fruit. They cannot help their neurology. Go after the folks who are neurotypical for fucking us over. Go after them. Go after them. But you won't. This is Intersectional Insights. If you like our content, leave us a rating or review to help the podcast. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you have any comments, questions, or topic suggestions, you can email us, intersectionalinsights at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.